Hey everyone, welcome to episode 94 of the So This Is My Wife podcast. I'm your host and producer, Lingya, and today's guest is me. This is the recording of an interview I did with Frida Liu, a business radio TV host at BFM 89.9, and also a former steamy guest in episode 27. Frida turned the tables on me and asked me about my journey and what it's like building this podcast. And I have to admit that even though we're now at episode 94, I still feel kind of awkward hearing myself speak. But I do hope you find this conversation interesting. Because in this episode, we talked about how I first discovered this thing called a podcast, why I started So This Is My Why, and also decided to keep the focus very broad, ignoring common advice that the riches and the niches, and also some of my highlights along this journey, including interfering James Corden's Big Boss, and also being featured multiple times on the Late Late Show with James Corden which, if you didn't know, is the same late-night show that is known for its couple karaoke and as the crosswalk the musical. And we also touch on, lastly, my 40-day journey into the Himalayas, hiking up to Everest Base Camp at the start of the global pandemic. If you've enjoyed So This Is My Why in any way, please do leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts on any other platform that you're listening to this podcast on. Now, are you ready? Let's go. I first met uh, Wong Ling Ya when she asked me to be a guest on her podcast series. So this is my why. So I've been following this young lady and of course, you know, she's got close to 100 episodes right now and she's got some very interesting guests. It's like, you know, what got her thinking about doing this podcast series? I know her background's in legal and uh, a couple of discoveries along the way that she's also a fellow Sarakian, but to find out you know what is her why and so now the table is on her so you know good to finally meet you yes great to meet you in physically yes okay so uh i'm very excited uh you know mostly to know that you're sarakian yes <laughs> and of then, course we should stick together <laughs> and, and then um what i'm going to do is like i'll get you to introduce yourself right you okay. know a little bit about your background yeah. um your career in legal before we get into your podcast series so tell okay. me so, as you mentioned, I'm from Sarawak, born and bred there. And when I finished SBM, I thought, okay, I think I want to go to the UK. So I did A-levels, went to the UK, studied LSC, did law. When I was back in KL, I was a litigator. And I thought, probably not for me because I'm not the kind of aggressive person who wants to go and be adversarial every single day. So I decided to go in-house to try a different kind of law. And that's basically where I've been for up to this point and I thought there must be more than this all my friends are lawyers surely there must be people out there who are not lawyers what are they doing how do they end up not doing law and then this was around the time when the pandemic started and I thought well the only way to reach out is online so and at the time I had discovered podcasts right and it just somehow it became not just that it would be nice to have a podcast but I need to have a podcast right and I just did it okay no because you thought about this before uh, you know, there was any news of the panic, but you thought about it. You never, yeah. you haven't started on this, and this was in in twenty nineteen, right? Before the world came to a you know a crashing halt, um, and you, and you started this in June twenty twenty, right? What happened before then? Because I know what what was interesting was that you were during the pandemic. You were stuck in Nepal. Yes, <laughs> tell me. About that. I was stuck in Nepal. So what happened is. Going back to 2019, I had just discovered podcasting. When I mean discover, I mean 
I was listening to a podcast and they would say at the end, if you like what we're doing, subscribe to us. And I went, sorry, how do you subscribe? Okay. <laughs> and then I had to go into my phone and realize, oh, there is an Apple podcast app. How do you use this thing? Right. I, that was where I was. But then once I discovered the podcast I really liked, the host I really liked, I started listening and I started listening every single day. So you switch from listening to music to podcasts at right. every single moment. And I realized, gosh, it's really changed my life. And so at the same time, I was listening to people who were in the startup world. And of course, these people were trying to sell me something. I'm a podcast, so you should start a podcast and you should buy my course. And I was aware of what they were doing. But even though I was aware, I was still convinced. Right. I still thought, maybe I should buy a course. No, actually, I think I figured it out. And so it was there in my head. I should start a podcast, but I know I'm going to Nepal soon. And the one thing you want to do as a content creator is you want to be consistent. Right. So I didn't want to have that break. So I thought, park it there, reach out to people, get the yeses, do Nepal, then come back. But who knew when I was in Nepal, I was stuck there for 40 days. <laughs> and uh, thank God you came back. No, what was also interesting is that, so you learn, you know, like, of course they say you want to learn how to do a podcast. So yeah. you learned everything on your by yourself. Yeah, by myself. What was that process like? It was, in a way, it was not that hard because mm. there's so much information there. And if you find one right person... They will naturally introduce people, bring on guests who are of that same caliber. Right. And if you follow them, then they also have their own thing. And in the end, the advice is all the same. Mm. And it really is a question ultimately of to, to what kind of quality do you want that podcast to be? Mm. Do you want it to be like a 40,000 ringgit setup or do you want just a phone and just right. record and put up? Because you can do that. Right. And so I heard every single person who was interviewed about starting a podcast, they always said, I regret not starting sooner. Because mm. you shouldn't be too hung up over the fact that, oh, the technicalities is really difficult. I can't reach guests. Just do it and it will all come together. Okay. Okay. So I, I want to I want to touch on that point uh, a little bit earlier. But so this is my why. Mm -hmm. Why? So this is my why. <laughs> because I'm still in the process of finding my why. Okay. I just thought, I mean, so, there are people out there who feel, it seems as though they know exactly what they are meant to do from mm. the day they were born. They're so driven, they don't care what people say, they don't care how difficult it is, I'm gonna do it. And because they work so hard at it, they succeed. But then I thought, there are also other people who moan and groan all the time and they would spend a couple months at a job, quit, go to another one, quit, go to another one, when I ask them, why do you do that? I don't know, I, I didn't like this place, so I'm going there. Why? I'm not sure, I just wanted to try. And I thought there must be, a, there must be something, there must be people who know that and I wanted okay. to find these people and if I couldn't find these people who knew their why they are people who are successful and then I was uh, I was curious of but are you happy is mm. that your purpose in life I mean we look up to you but are you cynical and going actually I didn't do anything much okay so I was curious okay uh any common denominator uh, having spoken to you know I guess close to a hundred people yeah. or, or you know maybe more in the bank as you were saying <laughs> Anything that struck out to you? I mean, like, was, mm. would each be a learning, you know, a learning point that takes you to a, another level? Yeah. So two points I would say. Um, the first one is the reason. So when you start content creation in my research, people always say you should niche down. That's how you get your audience. Okay. I'm definitely not niche. I've got entrepreneurs. I've got right. VCs. I've got artists. I've got stunts women from Hollywood. And it was very deliberate because I realized that I was, even though I didn't want to be, I was in a bubble. I always thought, oh, I'm open to and I'm aware of everything out there. But I'm not really. 
And I realized that sometimes there were certain guests that would come to me and I would feel like, oh, maybe I don't want to interview them. But when I really drill down to why, it wasn't because they weren't great. It was because I don't know anything about it and I'm scared that I will come across as right. not being smart. And that was such a silly reason for me. This is my way of ensuring I always learn something because I interview one person every week. That means even though I'm a newbie at this because I always do a lot of research, maybe 20 hours, maybe 40 right. hours, at the end of that conversation, I should come away with something. I should have learned something more. And I will always carry that knowledge with me and hopefully bring people along with me. Right. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing you asked for, the common theme, right? Yeah. It came up, the word serendipity came up with hmm. my third guest, episode three, Dr. Julian Tan. He said the word first. And I've noticed that come up all the time, serendipity. Always, always, right. always. It was Everyone, it seems, or almost everyone is driven by curiosity. Most people will say, I have no idea what the heck I'm doing. Most people really right. don't know. But it was always, I was curious, I was interested, and I just did it. Right. And that's how they got to where they are. A motto in life. I was curious, I'm interested, let's just do it. Yes. Right? That's it. That should be a motto in life. Yeah. Um, so so I guess I was going to say that your guests are so varied, but actually there then there is something in common. They're all different. Yeah, different. <laughs> that's that's the that's the differentiating factor. Mm -hmm. So you're saying stun woman and all that. Now, obviously you've got, you know, some Malaysians and you've got people from abroad, and of course, one that got you on the global stage. Yes. That interview. Tell me about that one. That is James Corden's boss. James Corden's <laughs> boss, Nick Bernstein. So this is what happened. I was on YouTube because we were on lockdown. And somehow, for some reason, YouTube decided I wanted to see snippets from The Late Late Show with James Corden. Okay. And I have to tell you, I really did not know what Late Night was. I just thought, oh, James Corden does this, like, musicals, crossword musicals, carpool karaoke. Yeah. I thought that's it. I okay. didn't realize there was a whole show that was happening right. every single day in a week. And I didn't realize they had a monologue. So during this whole pandemic period, they took away the audience. And it was just the crew chatting with each mm -hmm. other. And so this one particular clip I saw, it was basically Nick. He was in a chair and they were teasing him. And I often read the comments. Mm. And when I read the comments, they're talking about this high chair, high chair. Oh, Nick is so funny. And I thought, this sounds like there's some kind of inside joke that's going on. Right. And I really want to know what this high chair is. So I went all the way back two weeks and I started watching. And I thought, he's really funny. Okay. He's actually really funny. This is a TV executive, right. James Corden's boss. And he's being teased live every single day. Mm for just because it's a, it makes a great show. And so in my head, I thought, I need to interview this guy. But then I thought, oh, he's a TV executive. Maybe I should just park it, let me grow a little bit bigger. And then there was this one particular episode where Nick basically went on. He said, oh yeah, everyone's been like, my LinkedIn connection request has been bursting. I've got this request to invest in real estate in Miami to in be interviewed for a German entertainment blog. And then he said the words, I'm just going to say yes to everything. Ha ha. Oh, amazing. So the moment I heard that, even though it was late at night, I think 11 p.m., I just went, I'm going to send an email to him right now. And so I sent it to him within an hour or two. He replied saying, yes, but let my PR from CVS vet this through. Right. And when I woke up this morning, they had vetted this. They said, sure, let's do it. Right. And within less than a week, we had the interview. Right. It was so fast. Yeah. Okay. And I, I, I know that it went on for three hours. Yes, it went on for three hours. <laughs> so poor guy. I mean, I told him it was going to be an hour and a half, but he has such an interesting story and he's been in late night for so long. He was working with the person who knows, who started late night show. Right. He knew everyone from Conor O'Brien all the way up to this point, Pete Holmes, James Corden. So I wanted to really delve into it. And so when we hit the two hour mark, I went, Nick, are you okay? And he went, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. So we continued on. 
first time I hit, uh, second time I hit three hours and I only found out later that and he Nick revealed it on the show that yeah because it was three hours I kind of missed dinner and my <laughs> wife got angry at me for doing that <laughs> okay so from there and then of course your your podcast was mentioned on, on the, uh, the yeah. late late night show and all that um, and then you got a lot of uh, I guess interest mm. right and so did that help change things with your podcast was it easier then to get guests and all that it is an interesting question one mm. I've tried to zero down I don't know actually I do always include a snippet of that in right. every single pitch and I do get sometimes people coming back saying oh that's really funny that video is amazing I think because it's such a known entity right. Right. and for it to have been mentioned on the global stage does give it that kind okay. of authenticity so I can't drill down and say this is definitely but, something that helped but I would be surprised if it did right it's that that I guess it's like that one uh one big thing right yeah. and then from there you just sort of like I mean was it difficult in the early days when you just try to approach as many people as possible mm. da 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 and then you know people not responding or you know saying I, no I think because I work in a radio station yeah right? so and as know. it is it's so <laughs> difficult right I mean I've got the backing of a radio station and yet yeah. it's still not easy to get certain guests yeah I for me, surprisingly, no. I feel like it hasn't changed in terms of it mm -hmm. getting easier or harder. Mm. Before I even had a name for the podcast, before I had anything, I already had 15 people say yes. Right. And I did leverage on some personal connections right. and I knew they were quite well established, right? Mm. And then from there on, not really, I haven't changed. The, the silences, the no replies are really long oh, and they're okay. still there. But I am not the kind of person who likes to give up. So right. even if they are silent, I wait month, two months, Hi, have you received my email? Right. I can follow up six times, seven times. Oh. And honestly, it does work. It really okay. does work. Persistence. It's just persistence. Yeah. And just nagging. <laughs> right. And that's the thing, right? People don't understand the work that goes behind it. Yeah. It's probably a ratio of one to ten or whatever. But the more yeah. people you approach, the chances are higher. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is really, really cool. Now, um, is there an end game to mm. what you're doing? I mean... The thing about podcasts is that it's so hard to make it big and to make okay. it sustainable. Right. I would love for it to take on a life of its own. I would love for it to be sustainable. I would love, because the bigger it is, the better the guests you can get on. Right. And the easier it is. And for me, I knew, I know even now, even though it sounds crazy, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Just because it just gives me so much personal satisfaction. Mm. I like to see that the people who do listen really connect with it. They, come to me just yesterday this person came to me and she talked to me like she was my best friend I never met her but she said because I've been listening to you I feel a connection right. I've met another person who in London for the first time he'd been listening and when I spoke to him and said hi he just went oh my goodness you're talking to me I've been listening to you, to you this whole time and you're speaking to me so this kind of thing is amazing so I think I definitely want to no matter what I want to continue growing that community right I would love for it to be a business if it, if it could but you know, it's, you never know where we go. Right. So, okay. So people can obviously, you know, of course, the, the find you on your, your uh, link uh, on uh, YouTube. Yeah. Right. YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere and everywhere. Okay. You know, uh, before we came on, I got you to do a little uh, exercise, <laughs> right? I mean, this is this yes. whole thing because I, you know, I, the book I wrote called Life's a Stage. And I think that, uh, you know, and it's so important as we grow and change. And different people have different uh, aspects of their life uh, that they need to work on or want to improve and everything. So I want to talk a little bit about um, 
career, okay. right? Right. What you're doing right now, you know, um, and where do you see evolving? You're saying that yeah, it can be improved. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what aspect? I, and and maybe like it's there's that lovely balance of mm. I'm doing this, and then I've got this podcast as well and it works out really well you know mm. what's what's on your mind at, at this point in your life yeah I think because I've been listening to podcasts so much and most of the people featured are doing really interesting quirky things right. they're the ones who are brave and take that risk leap into the unknown and I suppose something of that has filtered in and I go well legal legal world is very safe it's very conventional it's very risk adverse mm. I know exactly where I'll be in 20 30 40 years right that kind of scares me. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure if I really want that. So there's definitely a part of me that goes, I'm still young. Now's the time to take that risk. To right. just try and see where things are going. I mean, it's not as though the place I'm at is bad. It's not at all. I mean, the people are so nice. Right. They are too nice. Okay. To the point where it scares me to think that I could just let life pass me by because I wasn't pushing myself constantly. Hey, everyone. Just interrupting this interview to briefly say that if you've been enjoying this episode so far, and any other episode on So This My Why. I also run a weekly newsletter featuring other interesting things and people I found over the course of the week. I share this in the newsletter in the hopes that everyone will become, well, more rounded and interesting individuals. So if you're interested in subscribing to the Steamy newsletter, just head over to the show notes at sothismywhy.com forward slash 94. Now let's get back to this episode. Right. Okay. And you know what? You can always take. I'm just. I'm speaking. <laughs> speaking from experience. You know, there's n- number is. You can always try new things at any stage in your yes. life, right? Yeah. So, but I get where you're from. You know, because like when I was working in my previous company, love the company, been really good to me. But it was just like, ah, is there more? Yeah. Is this is it, yeah. right? So I I get it. I you know, and and I think people do go through that, right? Mm-hmm. Depending on the life stage, because it was relevant when my son was younger, and then now that he's older. It's not so, you know, like different things change, right? And then, of course, when we talk about the, the wheel of life, when I look at it, right, there's there is the spiritual side, there's family, there's friends, everything, and, and things move, right? Yeah. Things change. Um, and so the other thing is I want to talk about um, love and romance, <laughs> okay? So he's like, yeah, it's not great. But, okay, um, is that something that has this whole idea of, because when I talk about love and romance, there's also the other aspect of self-love, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm very happy where, where when it, when it comes to the air, I, I, you know, whether there's someone in my life or not is is relevant. It's lovely yeah. if that's the case. Like for you, uh, what's what's going through your mind? So when I saw that question, I thought it was just love in the sense of romance, romance. and there isn't anything, so that's why I put it low. Ah. But I mean. It's really strange. I do wonder sometimes why I'm not concerned about it. But okay. I don't feel concerned. I suppose there's a part of me that thinks there will be someone out there. Right. And it's more about where am I? Right. I need to be in a place where I am happy and I'm right. confident. I'm That person shouldn't be feeling a gap within me. And so right. I need to work on myself first and everything will fall into place. And I'm very lucky that my parents don't push me at okay. all. Okay. So very, very lucky in that aspect. So I suppose... I mean, are, I do have friends sometimes who go, you should try a lot more, you should go on the apps. I have tried, but it just doesn't link. There's right. just no connection. So I'm not that concerned because there's so much going on in my life. Right. But yeah, it right. is Okay, it is. so you know, the whole, it's more the societal expectations, right? Mm. And then what people expect of us. Oh, uh, Maybe the other well-meaning relatives, like <laughs> grandma. 
Why I mean, are you not married yet? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you kind of feel it when you go to events like weddings and people uh, always go in pairs. So it's little moments like that where you go, it'd be nice to have someone. But I mean, it is it, what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> and a very interesting thing you said, right? You, you know, you don't wait for someone to complete me, yeah. right? You you don't want to attract people that are halves, yeah. right? You want to attract complete people as well. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the spiritual side of things, okay. right? Yeah. And, you know, how has that led you in your decisions mm, i think for me like god has always been a part of my life mm. i remember when i was very very young that i had this little moment of but does god even exist and then i just did this little experiment myself where i went okay imagine if god didn't exist right and i couldn't have lost a win i just broke down and i just cried and i just right. thought i can't like the fact that god doesn't exist is not something i can imagine and so it just became okay so what does it mean to be a child of God? It means having those kind of values. Right. Um, it means, and you can maintain those values by surrounding yourself with the right people. Mm. And I've always been in church. They are the loveliest people in the world. They're so encouraging. Every time I'm down and I'm really negative, I speak to them and I go, actually, I should be a lot kinder and more, gra more gracious. <laughs> because people respond very differently right. compared to those who are not, I suppose, in that Christian environment. Right. And they will give you the right verses. They will... They would just be very kind right. about everything right. and give me a different perspective. I think a, a test of uh, a God in your life was going to Everest, a big base camp, yes. and, and managing to come back. Yes, I mean, my <laughs> whole church was praying for me. They were freaking out. And there I was going, I feel God's hand in this. I'm fine, guys. <laughs> so, so, okay, so what, what happened? Tell me about that journey. So it was like, uh, it happened. It, yeah. And when did you know? And then, of course, it was lockdown. It was March, April. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the whole journey was basically I I was 20 I should go back to when I was 27 right. it was 2017 and I did my first ever hike in my life which was Mount Kinabalu because okay. that's how I do things okay. I jump straight and when I went out to Mount Kinabalu I thought I love this so much I want to do Everest Base Camp that was just it Okay. and so I thought okay I know me if I don't set a deadline I'm not going to do it so I'm going to do it when I'm 30 so that's mm. 2020 2019 rolled by and I went, yep, really didn't do anything. So okay. better reach out. So I got it planned. A friend said, I'm going in March 2020. Okay. I turned in April. Okay. So I thought, perfect. I have to say yes. I okay. have to say yes. And before we went, there were these rumors of this thing coming up from China, whatever it is. Everyone's like, yeah, whatever. This forest. Yeah. <laughs> and then we went and we arrived in Kathmandu. We went to buy all our necessary last minute things. Again, bustling, no rumors whatsoever. First day hike, no problem. Second day, we all got this email saying, oh, your flight's been canceled, but you're right. free to reschedule. And we were asking people, we were asking the local embassy as well. And they said, don't worry about it. You're going to be hiking for 18 days. Two weeks in the mountain, you're in the safest place in the world. Mm -hmm. There's no one there that the world sort itself out and you can come down. So we went, okay, fine. So we went all the way up to base camp. It wasn't great. So some of us, I, I got really, really, really bad altitude sickness. So okay. I decided to take the helicopter down with a couple of friends right. for hypothermia, which was a very, very lucky thing. Because I arrived, I had one day in Kathmandu and the next day my friends were going to fly down, the remaining who decided to hike. Right. That's when Nepal went to a sudden lockdown. Oh. So I spent two weeks, thankfully, in Kathmandu. My friends spent the next two and a half weeks stuck in the mountains. When I say stuck in the mountains, they had, we had not showered at all. We were talking about negative 20 Celsius, freezing cold. Even if there's water, you don't want to. It's like 
pressure. It's, yeah, it's, it's freezing. It hurts to like even You can't touch melt it. the ice. You can't. You only have two hours of heating because they control the amount of wood. You <sighs> barely have any Wi-Fi. You just sit in this tea house communal area right, right. doing nothing for two and a half weeks. I'm so glad I wasn't stuck there. But that's what they went through. And it was a bit of a drama because the only way you could get out is if your government speaks to the Nepal government and okay. gets a specially chartered plane to bring you home. So that's, that's what, what happened. That's wow. what happened. So the whole bunch of us, we were all in communication with the local embassy. They brought 40 of us into this specially chartered plane, all Malaysians, packed us in. We arrived in KLIA. I remember my mom was tracking our flight and she showed me, because you can see online, we were the only plane in this air. We arrived in KLIA. It was, everything was dark. We were the only ones who had just arrived and it was just so many policemen, Rela. They outnumber us okay, <laughs> like okay. two, three. And they just, yeah, they processed us for the first time in our lives. We had to actually stand apart from each other because in Nepal, who cares? We just right, stick right. to each other. No mask. We, we didn't know the significance of it. Yeah. We didn't know the significance. And we had like, been traveling in the mountains together this whole time. If we got it, we got it yeah. too late. But in Malaysia, that's when we first had that. And then they just packed us off for two weeks. Right. And, so, yeah. I mean, the hypothermia <laughs> worked out really well. Yes, it worked out. I was so lucky. <laughs> Okay, um, now you said that you wish you could have started the podcast earlier, mm. right? Uh, why? Because I suppose it's just time and if I started earlier, I could get to meet more people. Right. That's really it. And when I think about it, the reason why I didn't start earlier was I was just scared of the technical side. Mm. And what I was scared of was how on earth do I record this and how on earth do I release this? Mm. And I knew me, I knew I had to corner myself to such a point where I just got to figure it out and do it. And so after getting the 15 yeses and having sat on it for two months, I thought, I'm just going to reach out. I'm just going to schedule it. And I had one interview, I remember distinctly coming out the first one on Thursday and it was a Tuesday and I went, you got to figure this out, man. Just sit down and just figure it out. And within 15 minutes, I figured it out. Yeah, okay. Just go on Zoom and just click record. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it was so simple, but it was a mental block. And I knew it was a mental block. I just hadn't gotten over it. So for me, I look back and I go, gosh, I wish I just sat down and just scheduled it because I would have right. started earlier. But, but you know, it's so funny, right? That you should think about it. And then after that, we were just stuck at home. Yeah. You know, people who was like, yeah, why not? I've got yeah. nothing else to do, yeah. right? So it's just like how how timing, yes. serendipity. Yes, exactly. As you were saying. Um, you know, I just want to ask, okay, of course, you've got Nick and all yeah. these other different people as well that you interviewed. Were maybe just some that you felt was, got you thinking, right? And, and actually just sort of changed a little bit of your behavior after having spoken mm. to them. Were, were, were they some that just stood up for you? stood out to me hmm. so there's this person called Caesar Kuriyama so he's a founder of One Second Every Day mm -hmm. which is a video app and what's amazing is that basically he also had this crisis of what to do with my life I didn't want to quit because he was doing advertising in New York and he took a sabbatical and he thought I want to remember what happened during this year's sabbatical and I can't I have tried journaling my whole life and I can't I just don't have that patience mm -hmm. what if I take a video of one second every single day and it's amazing when you stitch it all together right. and you see that one second, you do remember that life. And so I heard of it through a, a good friend of mine, uh, Hongi, yes, yes. and she said, you should interview this person. So I interviewed him. And for me, what was, what was amazing is that he had so many incredible serendipitous moments. Right. One of it was, he said, oh, I, he was a Marvel intern. I love Marvel. I love Iron Man. He was following John Favreau, who directed yeah. Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2. So he was also happy, the driver, in the movies. Right. 
for the third one, he wasn't the director. Right. And that's kind of a big thing. And he still appeared on the premiere. He still appeared as a driver. And Caesar said he didn't have to. I understand right. the industry. He really didn't have to, but he did. And why is no one acknowledging that? So he created this tweet and he spent the whole night. He was drafting, redrafting. Should I send? Should I not send? Never mind. He fell asleep on it. Woke up really early. Still had that tweet open. And he went, I'm just going to click send. No one's going to see it anyway. But John did see it. Not mm. only did John see it, he reached out to his producers and said, I want to feature one second every day in my movie, my mm. Hollywood movie. And so for me, it was just this story of one tweet could change your life. And right. you just never know. You just have right. to put yourself out there. How can you imagine if I send one tweet, I could appear in a Hollywood movie? What are the chances? But then there's no chance if you don't even try. Right. Yeah. Okay, it's definitely a no if you don't even try. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay, that's such an interesting story. Um, and I'm sure you've got a lot more as well. So I'm <laughs> listening to you. I'm like, wow, you know, the different kinds of... You, you mentioned that you had you, you spoke to Guy Kawasaki yes, as well. What was that like? So Guy, he's very interesting because... He, I had been following him for a while. This was a time where Clubhouse was the thing. Mm. And I noticed he had this AMA room. So I jumped in because I want to see what's on his mind right now. Because mm. I listen to all his podcasts. That's what I do. I want to know exactly what they say. And I realized he always said the same thing. Mm. People ask the same questions, said the same thing. I want to be different. And so when I interviewed him, what was interesting was that, and I also read, so I, before that, I also read his book and he's written about 10, 12 books. Mm. As I read his books for the first time, I realized, actually, I know all the content of the books because whatever he says in the book is <laughs> in the AMA, it's in the interview. Right. It's the same thing. When I interviewed him, I tried to ask different questions. He basically gave the same answer. Right. And I could try and push him beyond it, but not really. And that's when I realized, oh, gosh, he's really great at PR. He has his fixed stories for these fixed right. questions, right. which is very fascinating. So I thought, okay, I want to push more. What are the questions never being asked? Why are you going to clubhouse? And also, why do you always give your email out? Because in his clubhouse, he always says, contact me at guycowsaki.gmail.com. All the time. In his books, he puts it down. Right. Surely this is the last person in the world should release it. And so I asked him that question because no one asked That's him before. And he said, well, you might be surprised. People just self-select themselves all of it. They think I have tons of emails. Actually, I don't. And I do say yes to everything. Wow. Yeah, so so thought, there you go. And then there you go. that led to the interview as well. Yeah. Okay, let me process this for a while. <laughs> it might take a few seconds of footage <laughs> as I'm processing this. But, but you know, um, but yeah, I know there's some people who just got these canned answers yes. and, and all that. But yeah, so you have to think of something that wasn't part of the canned answers. Yes. Future episodes, future, what what else can we look forward to? Oh, I'm really excited. Um, Teasers. Teasers. So I haven't interviewed them and I've realized that if I haven't got the interview, doesn't mean I'll get it. Mm. But the yeses, I don't know, we might have to edit this out. The okay. yeses <laughs> that the people have promised would be the founders of Evernote. Ah. And, um, the Let me see. The chairman of London Evening Standard and also the independent in London. Wow. I've got one person who basically co-owns Billy Elliot the musical. Right. She also co-owns quite a few West End theatres and also has produced lots of shows and movies. She also owns Mick Jagger's favorite restaurant. She's Mick Jagger's rest, um, neighbor. Right. So that's really exciting. Um, I've got this VC I'm quite excited about. I'm interviewing later this month. She really believes in influencers and right. using influencers to promote startups. So she's an investor in Lady Gaga's wow. company. She's invested with 
Jessica Elba. She's an investor with all these huge celebrities. Right. So I think she'd be really, really fascinating. Right. I'm just looking at your guest list. I'm just thinking what's going through your mind. Because it's so varied, <laughs> right? Yeah. You're just covering... And that's amazing, right? And I think that's the, the common thing mm. with all your interviews. They're all different. Yes. <laughs> yes, they are all different. <laughs> right. Of course, so if you know um, Wong Ling Ya... Yeah. If you want to know more about her, you, you, she won't talk so much about her, but check her out. So this is my Why podcast series. Just do a Google search. You will find her. Hi, this is Srila Liu on Live's the Stage. If you found this conversation thought-provoking, please like, share, and subscribe. And that was the end of episode 94. I do hope you enjoyed it because it's my first time having my own story being shared on the podcast. And not going to lie, it feels kind of strange and awkward. As always, the show notes and transcript can be found at sothismoai.com forward slash 94. If you have enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could just leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or also tag me on any of your favorite platforms with a review, whether that's LinkedIn, which I'm often at, Instagram, or even Twitter. And stay tuned for next Sunday because we'll be meeting the marketing director of Decentraland. What I found fascinating is that prior to Decentraland, this next guest spent many years in the gaming industry. She spearheaded the launch of Angry Birds Space, which included collaborating with NASA and an astronaut in the International Space Station, as well as the National Geography and Slash. We also talked about all things Web3, the value of virtual land, and how companies are entering this new space. Want to learn more? Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and see you next Sunday.